Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, we also have with us today some very special guests. We've got with us Guy and Blake from the Wizard Staff Podcast. Hello. What's good? <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we've got a great topic today. Um, this past couple of weeks, we've been seeing a bunch of spoilers from Strixhaven. Just today, we got the full set. So we're going to be going through all of the legendary creatures and uh, commanders spoiled in this new set. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to build around them, how we think they'll fit into the format, and just give you our general thoughts on these new options for Commander. Uh, we're also going to be having a separate episode where we go through all the 99 cards, all those cards that fit into the main deck of our of our decks. And then uh, later on, um, after we get all the spoils from Commander 2021, the Wizard Staff guys are going to be hosting us on their podcast, so be sure to check that out. But with that, I think we can go ahead and jump into some of these cards. Uh, Blake, do you want to read off this first commander? I'll give it my best shot. All right, we're going to start off with Mavinda, Student's Advocate, two and a white legendary creature bird wizard, two, three with flying. Then it has an activate ability of zero. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that spell doesn't target a creature you control, it costs eight more to cast this way. If that spell would put, be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Activate only once each turn. This is a bit of a weird card. I don't usually see like the zero activated cost on cards much anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's some very like fifth edition technology yeah, right there. Yeah, old stuff. Um, and also like this eight additional uh, cost to do it a certain way, like that is so strange. Why not just say you can't do it? <laughs> like especially mm -hmm. considering it's a mono white commander like you're not going to be able to get to eight mana yeah it's it really seems like they wanted it to be like for feather or like in the set there's killian but like they didn't want to close out any other opportunities so we're stuck with with this weird clunky looking zero plus eight ability <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird yeah yeah i was kind of confused because I was like, doesn't Feather put the cards back into your hand once you like target it with her? So why would you need this to like get those cards back? Because it's already going to be coming back anyway. But I guess like yeah, if you whiff or something, mm -hmm. that 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 could be useful. And then Boros, you I guess you don't have that kind of recursion. So that mm -hmm. this is nice, I guess it it's notable in the ninety nine for that one deck. But <laughs> yeah. I can't see myself or see myself like playing against the deck completely built around this, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I actually do need to say, I mentioned a name of a card that no one knows about, presumably <laughs> that we will talk about later. So Killian is a commander that we'll be talking about later in the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think that this is not really a commander that's worth building around just cause it's, it's so clearly inferior to feather. It does like the same thing, but worse. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. no notably though there are four rebound cards in this color identity that work with this ability because you know it says you've got to exile the card but because it exiles itself as part of the resolution the rebound continues as normal you get to cast it during your upkeep and it goes back to your graveyard for reuse so that's an option but i'm i'm not generally loving mavinda we could probably move on to the next uh next card <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, the only thing that I'd say is like this is a mono white mythic, and I would I would have hoped for something a little more splashy, but for sure. it, it's a little disappointing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I'm I, I'm next to read. Oh gosh, it's a one of those modal double face cards. And okay, uh, did not practice practice these names as usual. Oh, don't uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is Myla, crafty companion. It costs one white white. It's a legendary creature, Fox. Whenever an opponent attacks one or more Planeswalkers you control, put a loyalty counter on each Planeswalker you control. Whenever a permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. And then the backside, we have Luca returning, Wayward Bonder, four red red, legendary Planeswalker Luca. You, he comes in with five loyalty. You can plus one. You may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. If a creature's card was discarded this way, draw two cards instead. Minus two. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of your next upkeep. And then minus seven. You get an emblem with whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. (laughs) What do we think, guys? So many words. That's a lot of words. So many. I just read a novella. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really interesting direction for Boros. Like, Boros Reanimator feels pretty new. Um, I I can't think of another commander that fills that exact same niche. I, to me, Luca, the Luca side is a lot more interesting because I feel like there's more potential to build around. Um, Although Mila does have these rewards if you're like playing Planeswalkers. She's very dependent on what your opponents are doing. Your opponents could easily just play around it or just like remove her and then she'll never trigger. Whereas Luca, um, you know, he sort of gives you a direction to play in. There's a, it's a bit more proactive in that like first you're discarding, then you're reanimating and, and there's a lot you can do with that. I'm a little upset to see that like this whenever a permanent you control becomes the target clause draw a card um, is on this Boros commander because I wanted this I would I would have loved for something like this to have shown up on a mono white card just Mm -hmm. so we can get some good conditional card draw you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think one of the things too that really gets me about this is that it's they're really pushing Boros in this set. This is not the first card that we're going to see that like pushes Boros in like a weird direction. And I feel like this card in particular pushes Boros in a place that like no one was asking for. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there are things that people were asking for in this card in particular just kind of did its own thing. They're just like, let's do this. Let's do a Boros split card, but it's Planeswalkers or it's it's creatures and you're like oh i guess i'll i'll take it but that's kind of (laughs) weird that's that's not what i was expecting so that's i think the biggest thing i feel about this is like who was who was asking for for this i'm I'm, i guess i shouldn't say i'm complaining i'm not complaining i'm just confused (laughs) just in terms of like sort of building around luca i think there's a lot of of ways to sort of cheat this exile clause um for example if you have a sack outlet then you can get it back in your graveyard and it's Mm. safe and ready to reuse on a a following turn um you can also like use a blink effect to 
basically cheat the cost and get it back into play without having to worry about it being exiled permanently. So like a conjurer's closet or even something cheaper like a ephemerate could really be useful in in uh, making it so that your guys stick around forever. And I, I do want to say one thing. This will be my last little thing uh, personally is like, I, I I think it's interesting that nowadays they're pushing Super Friends decks in different ways and that it seems like whenever we see a Super Friends list in a new color identity, it is specifically spun with a certain identity around it. So I, I do think it's interesting to see like what they thought a fun Boro Super Friends list would look like here. Yeah, I was kind of just thinking like what Super Friends decks would want this, but thinking about it, it, it would really just have to be a five color one because it, it can't fit in a Traxa because of the red. Um, I know a few others that kind of miss out on that white opportunity. So I, I'm just struggling to think, I guess, of like the best deck, Super Friends deck for this. Um, it maybe to say whether like Captain. But the the front side I like too, just because it kind of reads as like, you know, prevent one damage that would be dealt to your planeswalker as like creatures attack it. So that's kind of nice because it helps keep them around a little bit longer. But it, it does seem like, unless if you boros, sorry, actually this is lore hold. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the news names are confusing. Yeah, if this is going to be the pioneer lore hold super friends deck, um, I don't really see this popping up in many other super friends decks mm-hmm. yeah one last thing i'd like to say about this is just that um luca starts pretty darn close to his ultimate um i yeah. like with an ultimate at seven loyalty and five starting loyalty and a plus one like i think it's pretty reasonable to get like maybe a single pr- proliferate and then you can ult him the turn after you cast him so that's really fast and that emblem does seem like it could be really powerful, especially if you're building more of a, a reanimator deck with a lot of big fatty creatures. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of muddled double face cards. Do you want to read off the next one, Nick? Sure. Uh, this next one is Blex Vesting. Oh my god! Uh, this next <laughs> one is a tongue twister. Okay, uh, it's Blex Vexing Pest. Awesome. Uh, and I challenge you all to say that. Um, it is two and a green for a three-two legendary creature pest. Other pests, bats, insects, snakes, and spiders you control get plus one plus one. Whenever Blex Vexing Pest dies, <laughs> you gain four life. Uh, and then the opposite side of it is search for Blex. Two black black for a sorcery. You may or sorry. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put any number of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. You lose three life for each card you put into your hand this way. How do you guys feel about Blex? Front side, no. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off there, Blake. Front side, no. I think it's cute. Um, if And I see people would probably want to build this as like a very casual deck. I'm very interested in the backside, though, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of like the 99, because it kind of reads like four mana, draw five, uh, and it taking 15 life. Not, not a huge deal, especially if you're just going to draw like gas. Um, and it gets around those, you know, pesky effects like Hole Breacher or Spirit of the Labyrinth. Um, or you could put cards into the graveyard. Like, you get that option instead of, like, putting them on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you put the cards where you kind of want them to be, in a way. And, uh, Guy, what's the name of the front half again? Flex Vexing Pest. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was trying to avoid that. I'm just going to flexi boy. Flexi yeah, boy. Yeah. And again, maybe he is the pioneer of the bats, insects, pests, snakes, and spiders <laughs> tribal deck that we've all been waiting for. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that as we say very often, like it just uh, that buff is not big enough. We're going to need a bigger buff. So mm-hmm. plus two I, plus two. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah honestly would have been super good, but I, I just think that the comedy of this card is pretty funny. Like, I, I literally laughed out loud at work when I saw this card spoiled. I was like, Blix, okay, like, he's a mega pest. He, you gain four life when he dies. And then I saw the other side and just started cracking up. <laughs> like, the, the big stupid feeder rat that you kept as a pet got out, and now it's causing mischief. <laughs> like... That was pretty funny, but as as a card, I think guys said it best. Like the ability for four mana to get five cards deep into your deck, maybe put some in your graveyard. That's probably a better route to go. Um, if you can come up with some way to loop Blex, like entering and dying and gaining a bunch of life, that's I that happens in black green pretty easily. I don't think there's a lot of like specific tech for this list at this point in time other than just like i might want to play blex over like ishkana or something like that because it costs three instead of what six or seven or something that she costs Mm -hmm. like maybe i don't know there's not there's I, i feel like there's no incentive to do this right now yeah i guess the only thing that i have to really think about this card is like if there's any other like uh subtypes of creatures that would want to else be put on this card because you know pest isn't <laughs> pest is a new uh creature type right in this set yeah. Act, yeah well it's it's being defined differently than it has been in the past it was uh, on a single card nuisance engine in mirrodin um so oh it, yeah it was piss yes yes oh. but yeah i mean that's card is 18 years old so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, that's not the first auto-include for this deck, then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but I guess if you're all okay to move on, there's a, a doozy of a card next. Oh, yeah, go for it. Oh, man. Okay, so this is uh, Jad... Oh, man. <laughs> Jadzi, Oracle of Arcavios, a 5-5 five, five human wizard for 6 blue-blue. So that's 8 mana. They have discard a card, return Jadzi, Oracle of Arcavios to its owner's hand. They also have Magecraft, which uh, I don't think we talked about Magecraft, so I'll talk about it here. Magecraft is whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, uh, you do X. So Jadzi is specifically uh, when you cast an instant or sorcery or copy them, you reveal the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it by paying one generic rather than paying its mana cost. And if it's a land, you put it onto the battlefield. But wait, untapped. there's more. Uh, untapped even, yeah. But wait, there's more. It has a flip side. This is a modal double face card. The other side of this card is called Journey to the Oracle. It is a sorcery. It costs two green green, so four mana. Uh, and there's something to say about that in a little bit. You may put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Then if you control eight or more lands, you may discard a card. If you do return Journey to the Oracle to its owner's hand... So you could possibly dump a bunch of lands on the battlefield, bounce it back up to your hand, cast Jadzi. Um, what? <laughs> who wants to? Who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about this? 
I mean, this card is pretty bonkers. Uh, I don't think in Simic the eight mana is really that much of a hurdle. What? And even, when, and even with the other side, the journey to Oracle, like if you just like, you kind of want to run like the maximum number of lands in your deck um, to like comfortably be able to like cast that. And then you might be at the eight to then have this bounce back to your hand and then next turn cast Jadzi. Um, and if she hits the field, I feel like she's going to be kind of a problem to get rid of just because mm-hmm. she has that discard a card and then return her to your hand. So you're never really going to have to like pay that commander tax. So mm-hmm. you, you definitely want to like counter, like counter, counter, yeah. counter, like <laughs> yeah, don't hesitate. <laughs> Simic doesn't need more broken cards. And yeah, just this other ability where it's like, Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, reveal the top card, you pay one, you're just going to go off. I don't mm. need to like really go into like how to win in Simic. It's just <laughs> obvious. Like, yeah, do whatever. I, I, I want to say one thing, though, that there is a tension built into the card where you want to have mana to trigger. You, you want to have spells that are cheap that trigger Dradzee, but then you also want to have big splashy things that you can cast with jadzi so there is a tension i think like the deck building process is probably the most fun part of jadzi <laughs> um just because you have to figure out where like the ratio of like your lands to cheap like instants and sorceries to to big splashy spells are you know but um one thing also before I forget, if you do open the extended art version of Jadzi, um, the journey to the Oracle side has a misprint on it. Uh, it says it costs three mana, one green green instead of two green green. <laughs> that is not correct. <laughs> oops, that's a that's pretty big oopsie on a splashy mythic. But it's uh, literally pay to win. Yeah, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah something. Uh, that's something just to take note of mm-hmm. uh, if you do open the extended art version. One thing I want to say about this, um, this is a really unique commander in that you're you're almost always going to be um, casting this Journey to the Oracle um, before you cast your commander. Um, just because, you know, ramp options. And as a result, unlike most commanders, you're going to be casting Jadzi from your hand. Uh, so that actually opens up some interesting options for cheating her mana cost. Like eight is a lot, but you're also on color for things like Elvish Piper or Champion of Ronas or even like Quicksilver Amulet. So you can get her into play and still have like a decent amount of mana to start the the combo rolling. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is like your this is a great deck for library manipulation miri's guile sylvan library brainstorm scroll uh, rack scroll rack <laughs> yes um and as you mentioned earlier there's like there is this tension between like having the cheap spells to trigger her initially and then the more expensive things you want to flip into and one card that i think is works really well in this list is actually glamour die um just as a so glamour die is one of blue for an instant change the text of target spell or permanent by replacing all instances of one color word with another uh retrace so you don't care about the actual effect but retrace just makes it so that you can start jadzi going again if ever you're 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 forced to 
stop that combo rolling. It's interesting. I think, like I said, the deck building pro, like how you win is, I think, an exercise left to the the listener. But the the getting there, I think, is the most interesting part of this commander for sure. I think broken one quick card, thing. Broken things. One quick thing I want to say is I think specifically the journey to the Oracle side might be good in the ninety nine of Tatiova and AC decks, where like. You drop mm-hmm. your hand full of lands and then you, they trigger those commanders and you draw back up and those decks often have enough density of lands where, okay, let's, I got it back to my hand. Let's play the journey to Oracle again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see someone just doing way too much with that. <laughs> Should we move on to the next commander? Yeah. I yes. think if we're all good, this next one is crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is another <laughs> modal double face one. Exus. Oh god, I messed that up already. Extus Auric Overlord, I think. Yeah, close one yeah. white, black, black. Two, four, legendary creature, human, warlock. Let double strike, and it has magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And then the backside is Awaken the Blood Avatar. Six, black, red. Sorcery, as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may sacrifice any number of creatures. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature sacrificed this way. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. Create a 3-6 black and red avatar creature token with haste, and whenever this creature attacks, it deals three damage to each opponent. So it's Mardu, like, reanimator, kind of? Mm -hmm. Kind of. (laughs) I can't get over just how big... This guy's swords are just, they're, they're so big. Like, why does this blood avatar need like a sword that's like the size of four people standing on top of each other? Like, what are you, what are you doing, bud? I don't know. But um, I think as far as like cards go and like what half you're doing, or we had someone in our Discord who was a patron, they had an idea for this list that was really interesting. It was, Mardu kind of like Feather where you have like little value creatures and then you have like other spells that you like would pump Extus with so it was like an Extus Voltron list using these like utility creatures that you get back when you pump your Extus to like create these loops and uh, it was a really cool idea I think this is one of these commanders that we're gonna see some off the wall builds for just because like it kind of has so many like hooks to like hang your different magic hats on there's a Mm -hmm. lot going on yeah i've seen on like the competitive side this card has kind of been compared to like the timna and jessica mad farm decks so Mm -hmm. there's probably some argument there where this could maybe be the replacement um i think the most notable loop in the deck though is the one where you like cast Dockside and you have to make six treasure tokens and then you cast a worthy cause which is like one white mana and you sacrifice a creature so you would sacrifice your Dockside but you would also buy back worthy cause and then you would be able to get your Dockside and recast Dockside netting you one mana do that a bunch of times get you know five billion treasures Mm-hmm. Um, then eventually you would sacrifice uh, Extus with the Worthy Cause and then recast Awaken the Blood Avatar like I don't know a, a bunch of times just yeah. to get those demons with the big axes and the swords <laughs> they're mm-hmm. so big yeah that seems like a great line um, 
worthy cause in general just seems like it's one of the best cards in this deck because yeah. the deck really needs sack outlets um just to so it can reuse its cheap value creatures and it needs uh you know like this is probably i think the cheapest buyback spell in this color identity so it's a way to trigger exodus it's a way to get your guys in the, the graveyard it kind of does everything you need it to do so that's pretty much like a, a must include for this list i think Let's move on to the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Hey, (laughs) Cody. Oh, my goodness. Um, Cody, Vociferous Codex. Three mana. Legendary artifact creature construct. Uh, You can't cast permanent spells. Already downside. Uh, Four mana. Tap. Add Wooburg. White, blue, black, red, green. When you cast your next spell this turn, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile an instant or sorcery card with lesser mana value. Until end of turn, you may cast the card without paying its mana cost. Put each other card exile this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Hmm, that kind of reminds me of something. So, uh, does anyone have any ideas of, like, you know, some cool cards that synergize with a tap ability? (laughs) That makes sure. Yeah, you know, I heard about this sweet tech. Um, No, so you, you can put Umbral Mantle if you well, you need to cast some things before you and actually cast Cody because of his um his yeah. drawback. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you get down like Umbral Mantle or Sword of the Parans and a Training Grounds or a Biomancer's Familiar, then um, you can net mana on the Cody activation, and you also get that those delayed triggers just kind of stack up. So after you you get this infinite mana, and you know if you're using Umbral Mantle after you get your infinitely large Cody. Uh, yeah. what you the the very first spell you cast is going to get well going to flip a whole bunch of times. You're going to get many 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 cascade triggers. Uh, so there are some lists that like you can sort of build a, your deck around that and trying to make that happen. Just playing like a bunch of really good cheap value cards at like one and two mana, and then you cast like a three drop just to put your whole deck out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but really, like you know, if you're just trying to win the game with Infimana and a, an infinitely large commander, there's so many ways to do it. Oh uh, yeah, because it's very clear Watsi like does not want us breaking this card. But I think what you just mentioned there, Nick, is probably the way to go. Because when I first saw this card, I was like, oh sweet, I can do, I can play Cody, and then I can like enchant them with uh like my Pemmin's Aura or my Freed from the Real and just infinitely tap and untap. But then I'm like, wait, I can't do that because Cody mm-hmm. would be in the field first and then it would enchant it. So that doesn't work. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like, darn it. Yeah, but. you need you need to be in magical Christmas land with your like hypergenesis cards <laughs> to like kind of get ready to do or like, is it show and tell? Would show and tell do that or... Show and tell would. I've actually heard about a a CEDH list for Cody that runs Hypergenesis as the only like zero CMC spell in the deck, and then tries to drop in Leveler and Thassa's Oracle for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so there's another direction you can go. Yeah, I just imagine now like the first Sliver Urza and like all those other like big guys and then like this book shows up and it's like hey i can compete (laughs) yeah i mean i think that's the thing about cody that really gets me is that like because the the arena uh, you can buy cody is like your little guy who sits by you when you play magic 
And I was like, okay, that's that's a cool little little mascot that you can purchase. Like that's funny, Strixhaven books, whatever. And then they spoiled this card and I was like, all right, really? <laughs> like this, <laughs> you you just you made him a card? Like, okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It, this whole set has a lot of like Mark Rosewater Odyssey block era jokes and puns and things in the name. When we get to main deck cards on the next episode, there's there's just so many bad puns <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. So everyone brace themselves for that. But Cody's just a mere glimpse at what's to come. All right, uh, I'm going to start off a cycle that we have. Um, I think all the rest of the remaining commanders are cycles. We've gotten through the one-ofs. Um, so this is the first member of the Elder Dragon cycle. This is Shadrix Silverquill, three white-black for a 2-5 legendary creature Elder Dragon. It has flying and first strike, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may choose two. Each mode must target a different player. Target player creates a... 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. Target player draws a card and loses one life. Or target player puts a plus one plus one counter on each creature they control. Um, what are your thoughts, fellas? What do you think about this first big old dragon? I like dragons. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what's great about this is that it's not pushed too hard and it's definitely doing something that's different than the Orzov uh, commanders that we've seen. I say that in quotation marks because mm-hmm. this is now Silver Quill. Mm-hmm. Um, you got that casual like politics side where you know you want to like it fits in with the flavor of Silver Quill, which are like, ooh, we can like use our words to make our friends or foes do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of like saying like, here, take a token, hit my friend or hit my opponent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Draw a card. I mean, you can use that on yourself too, but I, you, I mean, you have to at least use one of these on an opponent at all times. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever want to target my opponent to draw a card unless, it, <laughs> yeah, unless they had unless an they were really going to make sure they helped me out, or if they were at one. Oh, actually, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I, I see this, like fitting into the format is like this is definitely a card geared towards more casual audiences group hug players we haven't really seen like an orzov group hug list so this in that way is a new archetype i guess but Mm. i it's not like you have a lot of tech for that list you know you (laughs) i guess you do now there there'll be some white cards that we can talk about for the 99 of this list if you want to be like a political group huggy uh commander but uh it this there, there's not just a lot of building around you can do other than like playing a uh, night of souls betrayal. So all the inklings die or uh, like, you know, just stuff like that, like keeping the benefit that you're giving to your opponents down to the bare minimum while you accrue value with Chad Chadrix's other uh, abilities targeting yourself. So, yeah, the other thing that I just wanted to say is the, the art for those like, borderless versions Mm. this one in particular i think looks pretty sweet it's a little more experimental it it definitely has like the ink feeling that some that that like uh silver quill is like trying to portrayal uh with all their you know 
I, I'm a writer, I'm a poet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess this is a, I wasn't going to mention this, but you you brought it up. At, they said that the artists were super excited with the Silver Quill, with the Silver Quill like art descriptions because they loved, they're like, I draw with ink. You want me to draw cool ink stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. So that it was uh, very popular with the uh, contracted artists who got to do Silver Quill stuff. Um, but I guess it's uh, time to move on to the next dragon, if you're all okay with that. Uh, sure. Yeah. What, what, tell us about the next one. All right. Um, so <laughs> this is a, a, a doozy. So this is Belladross Witherbloom. Belladross is a 4-4 flying elder dragon for 5 black green, so a 7 mana commander. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 1-1 black and green pest creature token with whenever this creature dies, you gain 1 life. And then they have the activated ability, pay 10 life, untap all lands you control, activate only once each turn. Uh, wow. wow. Uh, anyone want to... Want to get jump in on this one? Uh, I think this is a, a really interesting commander. Mm-hmm. Um, that both of these abilities are are pretty powerful, but just having that engine that lets you convert life into mana seems really strong. And when I see that uh, that ability, the first thing I think about is, okay, is there a way I can convert mana back into life, but at a rate that's good enough so that I'm profiting on this this cycle? Um, and so a couple things come to mind, like if you set up a reanimation engine and like you're reusing, reusing a, a Koku show or a gray merchant, um, that's one way you could use your funnel, your mana into gaining a bunch of life so that you're able to activate Belladros repeatedly. You can also use extort. If you're casting a bunch of spells with your deck, extort will recoup a lot of that life or Etherflux reservoir also you know, if you're able to cast like four spells off of the the mana that you have on board, then that'll be enough to to at least stabilize so that you're doing all these things but not actively going down on life. Uh, Rings of Bright Hearth seems really cool. Allows you to stretch your activations further, get even more mana for per ten life payment. Um, but overall, this seems like a really strong commander, and it's just amazing that it pays for itself like that alone makes this a really really powerful um option for commander oh yeah <laughs> i think one thing that i would like to remind everyone is that like it, the activated ability of paying 10 life to untap all lands you control it says you can only activate it once each turn but that also means you can use it on your opponent's turns right so you can appear tapped out then pay the 10 life untap your lands and then use whatever instant speed interaction we, you might have so i feel like you can get some people with that because they're like, oh, he's tapped out. It's fine. And then you're like, ha, nope. I, I, you can get him once for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be that sneaky, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I mean, I'm going to live in magical Christmas land where, you know, you cast like reshape the earth. Uh, you get 10 lands. They all enter the battlefield tapped, but then you're like psych. And then you pay 10 life, untap them all. And then there's a few like relatively weak cards that you could follow up with, like, Torment of Hellfire, uh, <laughs> Exanguinate, I, I, I Finale of Devastation. To like cut you off, I actually don't think that's Christmas Land. I actually think that's something that people are going to do a lot with this commander. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, 
I, I think. I, well, you're right because like you have black and you have all the like best tutors. Yeah, you have green, and so, then yeah. even if you're only untapping, like you pay ten to untap all your lands, even if you only have six for some reason, you're you're able to cast reshape after that, right? So I think your your wildest dreams are going to become reality. <laughs> you will get to do like really big splashy plays like that more than than it might have seemed at first. Excellent. <laughs> I'm curious about the rest of you. In my perception, it seems like of all these new Elder Dragons, this one is the most um, people I've seen excited for. I don't know. I guess when we go through all of them, I'll maybe say something about it. But I, I don't actually know if I've gauged the hype for any of them <laughs> necessarily. This one definitely got the most like, oh no, this is a really good stacks commander, which I think has to be mentioned. Like this is a nasty, nasty stacks commander <laughs> if you want to build it that way. Just you get the token to sack with your smoke stack. You uh, can untap all of your lands so the winter orb doesn't hit you. Like it just puts you on this axis above what all these other cards allow you to do um, mm -hmm. that would just hose all of your opponents. So if you want to go not fun, not the guy reshaped the earth route, <laughs> then that's definitely, I think, one of the best options. Um, but I would rather see people do big splashy. I get 10 lands. That seems more fun. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to the next card, mm -hmm. which is Tanazir Quandrix. Three and green blue for a 4-4 legendary creature Elder Dragon that has flying and trample. When Tanazir Quandrix enters the battlefield, double the number of plus one plus one counters on target creature you control. When Tanazir Quandrix attacks, you may have the base power and toughness of other creatures you control become equal to Tanazir Quandrix's power and toughness until end of turn. So everything else can become a 4-4 four, four at the minimum every time you attack. Yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you do some some fancy stuff with uh, Tanazir themselves, you know? And there is, there is plenty of fancy stuff you mm -hmm. can do. Uh, works really well naturally with fractals um, because their base power and toughness is all 0-0. Zero, zero. Same with graft creatures, same with most hydras are either zero zeros or sometimes zero ones. And also just like token generation. If you're dropping a whole bunch of squirrels at once, making them all base power and toughness four four will will get there pretty well. That was the thing that kind of blew my mind with this commander was like I thought it was like one creature. I thought it was like, oh, okay, Quandrix Dragon attacks. And you get like your Ferdlid hits for seven or something, but it's like, oh no, it, Quandrix attacks and uh, other creatures. <laughs> like, it, that's a lot more power out of nowhere. Yeah, I actually, now I'm just realizing that too for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's oh, very, okay, it's never mind. Very cause... aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I don't know. Like, this one's kind of been like the snooze for me. Like, we had that one Simic Commander we just talked about, um, Jadzi. I think that this is kind of like a little more boring in comparison. But now I'm now that I'm you know actually reading the card, I'm like, oh okay, wait, <laughs> this is good. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's it's like legitimately crazy how much power this thing can put out. Um, I know like Nick is working on a list 
Do you want to get into any tech that you have, <laughs> any tech you found? Uh, well, this list comes to us from friend of the show, Alex Whiteclay. Oh, cool. So I'm I'm reading it for the first time right now. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Alex. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, honestly, it, it, I can go over a, a few things. Like, th- there's just so much plus one plus one counter tech that we've gotten over the years that is utilized very well in this list because not only does it go on just your team and then things like armor craft judge draw you a bunch of cards stuff like that you also can just buff tanazar um and if tanazar is bigger your team is bigger it's kind of this like cyclical uh loop so you you can put counters on you guys so they get bigger and then you put counters on tanazar you can put counters on everybody everybody wants the counters um Biomaster, uh, Master Biomancer, um, all of the things that do that are in this list, and all the things that make way too many tokens are in this list. Scoot Swarm, Spawn Writhe, um, it's it's pretty nuts. <laughs> it just goes yeah, just, crazy. Mm-hmm. Just make sure to give yourself trample. That's how you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. In green, uh, I don't know. That that sounds a little. Difficult. I know. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, all right. Well, I think if anyone. Uh, is ready if everyone's ready i think we can move on to the next commander mm-hmm. yes oh yes and that would be gal prismari he is legend so two blue red legendary creature elder dragon he has flying uh when galazef prismari enters the battlefield create a treasure token artifacts you control have tap add one mana of any color spend this mana only to cast an instant or sorcery spell and he's a 3-4. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that other, you know, pretty good card, Urza, Lord <laughs> High Artificer. Just just a little more nerfed. Um, but I think with the upside of having the access to treasure tokens uh, that we've been seeing Red get a lot more, um, I don't think that that's really going to be too much of a downside when it comes to, like, you know, just wanting to go off and, like, cast a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah i think a lot of the the best cards in urza are also very good here um for example like winter orb static orb storage matrix trinisphere all these uh really nasty staxy artifacts that turn off when tapped are of course fantastic when your commander gives you a method for tapping them um there's a couple fun pieces of tech like Trail of Evidence is fantastic in this list. Oh, Two and a blue yeah. for an enchantment. Yeah, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, investigate. Um, so that's just another great source of easy artifacts that can then cast further spells. Um, but it's it's mainly just like a, a spell slingery type of list, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. I, I want to mention, too, this isn't specifically about gameplay or anything. Oh, it is actually literally about gameplay, but not so much with Commander, where... Um, there's this weird tension between digital and physical. So like modal double face cards, which this is not, um, are very fun and easy to use on arena. Uh, and they're not that fun and easy to use in paper. This is going to be the exact opposite. This is going to be people getting really upset because they tap their treasure and accidentally click tap sack (laughs) instead of click tap where in real life you would just tap your treasure and everyone knows what you're doing you it's you're not going to be like tap oh no and then put it like way over in your graveyard 
So I can definitely imagine being that we're presumably for the the foreseeable future going to still be in not super big events and stuff like that. Most people will get experience with this guy in digital. Um, just watch your clicks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> One more. One more. <laughs> All right. Um, one more dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this next one is Velamachus Lorehold. It is five red white for a five five legendary creature elder dragon. It has flying, vigilance, and haste. And whenever it attacks, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value less than or equal to Velamachus Lorehold's power from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. All right. So before we get into this, into the discussion, I just want to point out one very important thing, which is that most extra combat step effects do not work with this card. Um, if they use the phrase after this main phase, uh, they will only create an additional combat and main phase if they resolve during a main phase. So if you're using this Velamachus trigger and you see a Relentless Assault and cast it, well, you will untap your creatures, but you won't get the, the extra combat steps or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be the next Narset Enlightened Master. There's really only like two cards at this time that, that work the way you want it to. Yeah, that's a bummer. I can imagine there's going to be a Challenge the Stats on EDH Rec about that <laughs> at some point in time. Surprise, your deck doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've done it before. I've been like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be unfortunate if someone builds that deck, though, and doesn't realize that. And then, you know, you take it somewhere, and then they're like, hey. It's going to happen. It doesn't actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, just be polite about it, too. Like, if that does happen, if you come across that, um and explain like hey unfortunately this isn't the way that it works so instead of being like you cheater mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah um i want to ask you guys like do you think that this is kind of a a failure of design if it leads to people misplaying it and, and if like the way you use it is, is really unintuitive mm. Mm. uh gosh that's kind of putting the yes and no you uh, 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 yes and no um it's a failure sure on like the players parts for not knowing that but then it's also a failure on wizards part for not letting us kind of like know that that's how it works like if we don't <laughs> understand the rules to the point where we don't know that that's not how it works who's to blame like me for not understanding your complicated rules or for you to have such complicated rules yeah, I, I think like because there is an easy way that they could have worded this so it would be intuitive um, with Narset Enlightened Master. It just, you know, it, until I talked to some judges about it, I had had no idea that this didn't work. And I think that the majority of players would think that Relentless Assault or whatever would work the way you'd expect it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of unfortunate. I... I... I mean, when we've done the interviews, when we would talk to uh, Jules Robbins about red and splashy effects in red and like extra combats being like a thing red does, uh, it just seems weird that like when they're trying to expand like Boros slash Lorehold's space, 
that that wouldn't be like on the table <laughs> or like like the the a commander that looks like it obviously wants these cards doesn't so i don't know how they are talking about that internally maybe maybe they brought that up who knows you could make the counter argument that um gavin has stated that they actively tried to make boros not the attacky uh, type so mm-hmm. i mean that's the only excuse i can think of yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> Um, that, that said, I guess to get back to Blake's point from earlier though, I think this is the dragon that I've seen the most people talk about just because it is so splashy and, and different, I guess it's splashier than what Boris usually gets. Like insofar as like attack steps and stuff like that, like free giant sorceries and stuff is a lot more than, (laughs) boros has gotten in the past um Mm -hmm. but i guess did did any of you expect these dragons like is there one that any of you are like really excited for i didn't expect to see these i thought these were going to be in the precons you know personally that's what i thought too i thought the commander decks were going to be like the history with like the dragons and then like because I thought like the dragons would have been dead by now yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, I'm not as much of a lore guy, but um, so them showing up in the set was surprising. But I mean, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I personally like the Witherbloom one. That's kind of the two color combination I like the most. Golgari or like uh, Witherbloom, I suppose. Though I did take the test on. Oh, yeah. Wizard site, and they put me in Prismari, and I was like, eh, I don't really want to be here. So, like, I, I was like one of the artsy kids. I went to an art college, so it, they kind of knew, and I was like, mm, you're you're right, but like, I don't want you to be right. Put me in Witherbloom. So funny. <laughs> I share the same sentiments, and like, I personally am just I'm very hard to be. I'm very. I find a difficult time like being inspired by a commander. So the few times that I do, I'm like, Oh, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, that's good. So of these dragons, uh, I'd say that I gravitate a bit towards Galazeth Prismari just because I really enjoy that gameplay. I was goldfishing with the list for a bit and it's just a lot of like resource management and storming off and like tracking your, your count and your floating mana and all of your, your treasures. It's just like, you know, you're you're doing a lot of stuff when you're playing that deck, so <laughs> that that was uh, pretty appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I feel the same way. I think the uh, if uh, Villamachus wasn't seven mana, I would be pretty inclined to do that. I love me a big hasty red dragon, but um, I think the fact that playing a Villamachus list is going to be like let me ramp until I can cheat out a big spell where the Galazeth is going to be like, I am doing so many things. Yes. <laughs> that gameplay appeals to me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you get to play the most magic. Yeah. Can you tell we both like red? It's, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I did not expect these dragons and I'm happy they're here. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing that I'd say is I'm glad that they look like, dragons because when i kind of imagined you know professors are like the founders of um 
Strixhaven. I kind of thought of them as a little more goofy where they would be wearing like lab coats or like robes. I'm, I'm glad that these look like kick-ass dragons, you know? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. totally. I totally get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that too, now that you mentioned that. But I guess if we are good to go, I'm going to move into uh, the plethora of cycles of commanders. Where, oh, no, this guy is not one of the cycles. Oh, He's yeah, we got one more straggler. One more <laughs> straggler. All right, so this is, uh, oh, God, what a doozy of a straggler, too. This is Hoffrey Ghostforge. Hoffrey is a 4-5 dwarf cleric for 3 red-white, so 5 mana, 4-5. Spirits you control get plus 1, plus 1, and have trample and haste. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile it. If you do create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's a spirit in addition to its other types, and it has, when this creature leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to your graveyard. So, um, that's, that's a lot. It's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, that's like pretty crazy. Um, do you want to, I mean, th- there there is tech. I actually haven't checked the price on this tech. Um, oh, yeah i bought one of the as soon as i i heard about this tech i bought one of them because it it seems like the kind of thing people would buy out but mm-hmm. um so the 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 combo with hoffrey ghost forge is a sacrifice outlet and mist moon griffin um so mist moon griffin is three and a white for a two two creature griffin with flying and if uh or god i, I gotta look at the oracle wording freaking old cards <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, so when it dies, exile Mist Moon Griffin, then return the top creature card of your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, and so the way this is going to work is uh, you sacrifice Mist Moon Griffin to your sack outlet. Uh, you will stack the triggers so that Huffrey's trigger resolves first. And he will create a token that's a copy of Mist Moon Griffin. You sacrifice that token, which will put the original Mist Moon back in your graveyard. And then finally, you let the Mist Moon Griffin trigger resolve, which will put itself, since it is now the top creature card in your graveyard, uh, back onto the battlefield. So you're exactly where you started off, except you got whatever your sack outlet generates. Um, and uh, that's that's the combo. And it notably, the Griffin is compliant with both the red and white recruiters, Imperial Recruiter and Recruiter Guard. So it might be something you can assemble a little bit more easily. There's certainly plenty of sack outlets in these colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I just realized, you know, put a Perforos got out of the Forge or Impact Tremors onto the battlefield, and you're just going to get a bunch of, like, loops where you deal damage to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is the kind of thing where uh, a lot of typical Boros cards people play play well with Hoffrey and his going offness. Um, so I would not be surprised to see this a decent amount once I can go to card shops again. Yeah, I wonder if like Eternal Scourge would be good here. The guy oh, you can yeah. play from exile. Yeah, that's actually that's kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Just so so outside of like the Mist Moon combo, um it's worth noting that like populate or anointed procession, just anything that allows you to copy tokens is really good here because you know suddenly you have two malignuses or whatever, um, and then sneak attack or, or perforos um, 
might be good here as well because you could like sneak in an Eldrazi and then swing and annihilate someone. And then when you would sacrifice it instead, you, you kind of just get an, a big old token. Um, so you kind of get to keep the, the things you cheat in. I, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's get into the Deans. This is uh, the, the first of the last <laughs> few cycles we're going to talk about. Yes. So we're going to start off with Plarg, Dean of Chaos. What a name. One in red for a 2-2 legendary creature orc shaman and it has tap, discard a card, draw a card. And then it also has four in red, tap, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-legendary, non-land card with mana value three or less. You may cast that card without paying its mana value cost. Put all revealed cards not cast this way on the bottom of your library in random order. And then the backside is Augusta, Dean of Order. Two and a white for a 1-3 legendary creature, human cleric. Other tapped creatures you control get plus one, plus oh. Other untapped creatures you control get plus oh, plus one. And whenever you attack, untap each creature you control, then tap any number of creatures you control. That, that last one's a little bit complicated to understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the Dean of Order, but that that does not <laughs> right with the explanation of what just was said to me <laughs> she shuffles him around she kind of yeah. wheels him you know yeah uh i think that augusta is like really great as a commander for activated abilities um there's some like artifact mana dorks that you can run in a red white deck um there's plenty of of powerful creatures with tap abilities like devout chaplain which lets you tap it and some other creatures or two other humans you control to exile an artifact or enchantment um there's things like micaeus like which untapping that allows you to put counters on your guys more often uh it, it just seems like a, a fun commander for this these types of abilities i was kind of looking forward to some more commanders kind of what we're, what we got with the the evil voldemort guy i forget his name um but where we would have had like these yeah i I was kind of looking forward to having more of these like legendary creatures on one side and then sorceries on the back because that seemed to me like the flavor of strixhaven Mm -hmm. Uh, because it seems like some of these would kind of work better if they were together on the field at the same time yeah yeah. oh yeah I, i totally feel that like a lot of these would could just be partner with commanders um like I'm running other rummagers in my Augusta list, uh, but I can't really play with Plarg because it's on the opposite side of the card. Like so many of these, and you'll see as we go through the cycle, but so many of these modal double-faced commanders um, really feel like they both want to be on the battlefield at the same time. And it's unfortunate that they make us choose like this. This seems like the perfect application for partner with, but instead we get something that prevents you from from getting the thing you want. Yeah, and and really quickly to kind of to harp on that is, Plarg is probably the coolest rummager we've ever seen. Like I've wanted a two mana rummager, mm-hmm. or since they came up with rummaging as something red gets, and all of a sudden we have Plarg, and all of a sudden it's Boros. You know, it's it's Lorehold. So no longer am I allowed to play Plarg in my <laughs> mono red decks. I never was able to. So that's kind of a bummer too. Yeah. All right, I can move on to our next one. Uvilda, Dean of Perfection, two blue, legendary creature, Jin Wizard, 
tap, you may exile an instant or sorcerer card from your hand and put three hone counters on it. It gains at the beginning of your upkeep. If this card is exiled, remove a hone counter from it. And when the last hone counter is removed from this card, if it's exiled, you may cast it. It costs four generic mana less to cast this way. And Yvilda uh, is a 2-2. And then on the other side, you have Nasari, Dean of Expression, three red-red legendary creature, Efreet Shaman. It has, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of each opponent's library. Until end of turn, you may cast spells from among these exiled cards, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Whenever I cast a spell from exile, put a plus one plus one counter on Nazari Dean of Expression. And it is a 4-4. Um, good to note that it doesn't have to be the cards that get exiled with Nazari too, so you could have like you know, the Bergy card where, you know, the horn side where you discard a card and then you exile two cards off the top of your library. And if you, like, cast one of those, like, this will also get it to, like, pump itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Harnfell impulse draw, like, any yeah. impulse draw is good with Nasari, which is cool. Uh, Jessica's will. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just hard to get excited about these guys, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> they're just both i mean they're they're both commanders that we already have but like fixed and like appropriately so like i think if jorah the gitu was just what uh uvilda said and if atali was just what nasari said like people would like that a lot but now we have like patched versions and they're stapled together so it's kind of weird i don't know if i would really want to play these like light versions of powerful commanders i think like the design space has been uh really taken up by those other guys so this i'm not very keen on building these two yep and these are my deans but i do not care yeah. i was gonna oh, try yeah. to with a rhyme but i'm like yeah oh, you do not that. deem them acceptable i don't know there you go like, <laughs> i was like wait but you're golgari and then i was like oh the quiz no, 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 no! It's Witherbloom. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right, you're right. Which actually segues into the next card pretty well. Yes. Uh, so these these next two deans are Valentine, Dean of the Vein, a single black mana for a one-one vampire warlock with menace and lifelink. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. When you do, you may pay two. If you do, create a one-one black and green pest creature token with. When this creature dies, you gain one life. And then the opposite side is Lizette, Dean of the Root. Two green green for a 4-4 human druid. Whenever you gain life, you may pay one. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, and those creatures gain trample until end of turn. Uh, How do you guys feel about Valentine and Lizette? The silence volumes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think it's cool that Golgari is getting some cool life gain rewards like uh, I think there's something to be said for the tone deafness of like white they're trying to pump up white and they're giving white some stuff in the set but then one of the things that white is like everyone talks about and has talked about the most uh, being given to like Golgari it's it's uh, like life gain rewards and like playable good ones that's uh <laughs> i feel like that's a little bit on the nose even mm. if like in general the cards play well i think that um these cards in particular 
it, it's another one of those ones where I want both of them. So I'm kind of like not into playing this because like I, if I'm going to be like gaining life and putting counters on things, well, you gave me a cool like Voltron guy on the front side that I can't use if I want to use the other side. So I just not, not what I want to do. And then Valentine's trigger is kind of more just like hosing those tend not to make the board very happy. I, I will come to Valentine's defense. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I like this a lot. Um, just the fact that it makes, it's pretty easy to sort of create this like self-feeding loop. If yeah. you have a sack outlet that can kill creatures like an attrition or a stronghold assassin, or even something like a grave pact or a dictative Erebos, just anything that allows you to, turn like your creatures dying into your opponent's creatures dying uh works fantastically with valentine mm-hmm. um if so that that seems pretty good to me especially considering this commander is so cheap um i know that's crazy <laughs> uh and then for lizette um there's some easy combo potential with her uh she goes infinite with spike feeder and either workhorse or crystalline crawler in that you can like remove a counter from the spike feeder um, to trigger her, and then you can remove a counter from like the workhorse or the crystalline crawler to pay her cost, and then you get a plus one plus one counter on all your guys, including Lizette. So Lizette will be infinite, infinite. You get infinite life, and because you're in a black green color identity, you have access to a lot of tutors to help you set that up. I, I just have flashbacks to when all my friends hated me for playing King Makar. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take that list apart, <laughs> but you're right. I think I think it's interesting. I, I'm was actually pretty happy to see these these cards printed, even if it's the same card. I just wish they were different cards. Yeah, I feel the same way. So this is Kian, I think Kiani, Kian, Kian, like Diane. Yeah, because mm. the two ends makes a short vowel sound. Is that right? Am I doing that right? I don't know. Well, Kiani can wreck me later. Kiani, Dean of of Substance. I'm going to say that one more time. Kiani, Dean of Substance, is a 2-2 Elf Druid for 2 and a green. They have tap, exile the top card of your library. If it is a land card, put uh, put it into your hand. Otherwise, put a study counter on it. And then they have four green. Create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. For each different mana value among non-land cards, you own an exile without study counters on them. So basically, you'll have like a bunch of cards floating around that you'll reference when you make fractals, uh, which is kind of weird. And the back side of this card is a blue card. This is, uh, oh, who could have guessed? Uh, this <laughs> is Abraham, Dean of Theory. A 3-3 bird wizard with flying for 4 mana, 2 blue-blue. They have X blue-blue tap, exile the top X cards of your library, and put a study counter on each of them. Then you may put a card you own in exile with a study counter on it into your hand. And I want to come out and say, this pair in particular, like all the other pairs we've talked about, uh, they like work pretty well together, and it's kind of sad that they work so well together. This one is like, well, I want to be able to exile the card with, Kiani, and then I want to be able to get the card with <laughs> Abraham. Like, uh, why? Why can't I do both? Mm. <laughs> I feel like you're dangling the carrot in front of my face, and then I just can never get it. I just have to keep walking. This is probably the most egregious of the 
the ones where you need both of them on the field or you want to make sure you don't want to have to keep casting, you know, uh, one of them to like have the other one go off. There is some tech that works pretty well with both of these. Um, We kind of have mentioned before, like just like scroll rack, like being able to look at the top cards of your library is really easy to do. You got Mary's Guile and stuff like that. We mentioned earlier in the episode, those help you set up the cards that you exile with either of them. So that's pretty good. Uh, I can see how like you play your canny early, exile some stuff, get some lands in your hand, it dies, and then you spend six on Abraham to start doing that. But that just feels bad. Maybe it's more fun than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, I, I like that you can sort of build your own sprout swarm with canny. Yeah, um, if you have like a cryptolith right or an earthcraft or a rishkar or a sentinel higher fence. Um, you can use the fractals to sort of tap for mana and make more fractals. Um, so I think that's a neat use of her. And then because you're in a simic color identity, you're on color for intruder alarm. And you can pretty easily like assemble um, like an engine that generates infinite mana and like infinite fractals, uh, which seems pretty solid. Yeah. And I was just going to say that like, if you had the chance, you know, you can like tap, in Imbraham, oh, you know yeah. the, the bird wizard, Alman, <laughs> Alman. Um, but yeah, you could then easily find like some of your win conditions in blue, like Labman, Thassa's Oracle, or like the Jace, and then just cast that. And if you have a draw spell, you know, in hand, uh, win the game that way. Once you've mm-hmm. created infinite mana. Alrighty. We got the next commander, which is, oh man, Shaylee, Dean of Radiance, 1-1 <laughs> Legendary Creature Bird Cleric for one and a white. It has Vigilance and Flying. You can tap it to put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that entered the battlefield under your control this turn. And then on the other side, we have Embrose, Dean of Shadow, two black, black for a 4-4, Legendary creature, human warlock. You can tap him to put a plus one, plus one counter on another target creature. Then Ambrose deals two damage to that creature. And whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it dies, draw a card. That last bit of text has me a little bit interested. Yeah, I was looking at Ambrose a bit. Um, like I, I started trying to build Ambrose, and I, I don't know. It it felt like the the card drawing thing was not quite worth worth the squeeze um i just kind of kept looking over at like yannick and nakara the, the <laughs> 2020 commanders is like oh it's the same thing except uh you know nakara is cheaper than ambrose and i get access to like the best color in commander and like <laughs> <laughs> uh so so after like messing around with ambrose for a bit i i started looking more at, at shale I'm going to go with Shale. Yeah. Um, that makes uh, a lot of sense after you said that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try. I'm going to try Shale. Um, but I, I, I tried building around her and I found that like that was more successful, I think, a little bit more unique. It just kind of plays like a, a Micaeus the Lunark, but with black added, um, which felt pretty good to me. Like the the list I'm running is very heavily white, just runs like a lot of white token generation 
and then kind of relies on black for um, a little bit of card advantage with things like minions murmurs or uh, necropotence, just like kind of refill your hand after you've dumped all your guys onto the board. Overall, though, mm-hmm. uh, the Dean cycle just kind of seems like a like a, a a little of a sleeper, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they feel to me like cards that are going to be um, like in a lot of ways, like Commander Legends was, where some like a year from now when we can sit down at big events, you'll sit across from someone and they'll be like, yeah, this is my shale and embryos list. And you'll be like, what is oh, that? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it, it'll feel a lot more like the, the format did a few, uh, well, a decade ago <laughs> <laughs> where like you would sit down with someone and they'd be like, yeah, this is my, uh, I, I don't even know what it would be. My weird Kamigawa legend. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> well, what does this deck do? And it was like exciting and interesting. And like, there's a lot of creativity. Like that's kind of where I feel like we're at again with the thanks to like commander legends. And just the fact that this episode is going to be like two hours long and it's not even the whole set. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're just <laughs> making so many. We can't possibly keep track of them all now. Exactly, <laughs> And at a frequency so that we just have to keep going. So that I feel like kind of like what you said is right. Like the, the Dean cycle is kind of like these sleepers. <laughs> We're going to look back in some years and be like, oh, you know, actually there is some cool stuff to do there. All right. We can move on to the next card. Zimone, Quandrix Prodigy, green and a blue for a one, two legendary creature, human wizard. Then has two activated abilities, one and tap. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and then four tap draw a card. If you control eight or more lands, draw two cards instead. Guys, I don't I don't think blue and green have ever done this before in their entire cycle of life. <laughs> Simone's the groundbreaking Simic commander that we've always needed. <laughs> mm, yes, yeah. Now she reads a lot like a fixed Thrasios, which is uh, something a friend of ours mentioned, and I definitely see that. It's It's interesting to see that they really want you to know that the eight or more lands thing is a theme with the Quandrix. Um, but I, as far as a deck goes, as far as a deck goes, I don't really think there's much here. Yeah. I mean, we have so many other awesome Simic commanders. Like, why do we want to play this one? Like maybe, maybe someone has a good reason, but yeah. I mean, I think she's, you know, cute and I feel like people will relate to her as a character though. And mm. so that I can definitely see if you want to like build uh, around the kind of like that idea and make it more like mathy theme. I mean, I'm not really a math person, but you know, <laughs> someone is. My favorite part is the card in the main set that has her just like kicking somebody's butt. <laughs> like oh, yeah, her actual cool card, card herself is like not as as cool. <laughs> All right, we can move on to Rutha. Mercurial Artist, one blue red, legendary creature orc shaman. She's a one four, uh, two mana. Return Rutha to its owner's hand. Copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, this is a really sweet one. There's a lot of combo potential with this. Um, when I first saw it, I was a little bit skeptical, but there's actually um a fair bit you can do with this the i think one of the cutest synergies is um with desperate ritual and through the breach 
So you can splice a through the breach onto Desperate Ritual and then use Rutha to copy that. And what's going to happen is Rutha is now in your hand. Uh, the copy goes on the stack. Um, that copy resolves. You drop in Rutha off of the through the breach, and then you have three red mana, which you can then use to pay Rutha's cost, bounce her back to your hand. So each time you go up one red mana and just repeat for infinite red mana. Um, so that seems pretty cool. Another thing you can do is if you have a sneak attack and a ritual that adds at least four mana, so like a seething song maybe, or uh, a Jessica's will, something like that, then you can keep bouncing Rutha back to your hand, dropping her back in with sneak attack, and then copying that ritual over and over for infinite mana. There's, there's just a lot that you can do with her. She's definitely more interesting than I thought when I first saw her. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about another card later, like Cackle with Power, um, which would be another good way to kind of finish out the game, just doing a lot of math and dealing damage to people. Um, I think it's good that, you know, blue-red is typically like your spell slinger archetype, and these can go find you your instants and sorceries that you'll probably need to, like, get that train going. I just think it's incredibly cool that something like this exists. Like, I've wanted this card for a very long time. Uh, I didn't even care if it was, like, legendary, but it's it's here. It's cool. Uh, this next commander is Quintorius Field Historian. Three red-white for a 2-4 legendary creature elephant cleric. Spirits you control get plus one, plus zero. And whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. Uh, how do you guys feel about this commander? It's it's definitely different than most Boros commanders I, in terms of like it's making tokens and like buffing them up. It's I I do kind of like this direction that they've taken where it's like, oh, the Boros in this world are much more um, about the graveyard. They care much more about history and like, um, what's the term? Like archaeology. And so they're doing a lot more like grave shenanigans and exile shenanigans. I was just going to say Underworld Breach is a good card for this deck, considering <laughs> like if you're going to just... I mean, Underworld Breach is a good card in just any red deck, so I don't feel like I need to quite say that, but... This would just be able to... Uh, Underworld Breach would just allow you to make tokens for every card you exile to then you know, cast a card off of the escape cost. One thing that I think would work pretty well in this deck is Enduring Renewal, a Sack Outlet, and a Zero Mana Creature. Like That's a, a combo that works pretty well with Quintorius. And um, so for essentially how it works is Enduring Renewal is two white-white for an enchantment. Um, and you basically, if you draw a creature, you have to mill it. So that's uh, not ideal. But the, the exciting part of the card is whenever a creature is put into your graveyard from play, return it to your hand. So if you have like an Ornithopter or a Kobold or something like that and a Sacrifice Outlet, then you sack the creature, it gets bounced back to your hand with Enduring Renewal, you get whatever your sack outlet generates, and your Quintorius is going to trigger, and that's going to give you a token. So even if your sack outlet isn't really doing anything productive, even if it's just like a Martyr's Cause or uh, a Fanatical Devotion or something like that, you're still going up on these tokens, you're still getting an infinite... Well, you're still getting infinite guys, 
and you should be able to win from there. Uh, and the nice thing about this combo is there's a lot of sack outlets in these colors. There's a lot of zero mana creatures in these colors. So really all you need to work hard to find is the Enduring Renewal. Yeah, I think it lends itself to combo. And I think what Blake was saying, like, it seems like a strange new direction for Boros. Probably because this is just Tormod <laughs> from mm-hmm. the Commander Legends. Like, a, a instead of a 4-2 that makes 2-2s, two this is a 2-4 that makes 4-2s. Um, but honestly, I think just shifting it into red-white like this is is actually way cooler. Um, it has the same problem I think Tormod does, which is it's incredibly hard not to just combo like Nick was saying. <laughs> like when you when I was brewing lists for Tormod, I had a hard time not just going infinite. Not not like a, like in the deck building process, it was really hard to cut cards that made me go infinite because I'm like, oh, but then it's really good when I'm not going infinite, but then I could go infinite, but then my friends <laughs> might hate me. Um, that's exactly what Contorius <laughs> feels like too. Um, that said, I think if you do make a fair version, if you are just kind of like getting value through the breach, like flashing back cards, whatever it might be, um, that I am really excited to see this. And I, I think it's really cool. Like the whole lore hold concept of like, Oh, we're study, we study history and what better way than to, talk to dead people <laughs> like to find the dead person and talk to them like that's a really cool thing to me so i'm a big fan of quintorius which i think brings us to our uh, is this our oh no 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 we got two more okay i was gonna say our last guy but it's not our last guy not quite not quite mm-hmm. well uh, tell us about him yeah so this is killian ink duelist uh killian is a two two human warlock for white black so just two mana they have lifelink, menace, and spells you cast that target a creature cost two generic less to cast. So notable, this is your like auras, this is pump spells, but this is also removal. <laughs> um it's it's a pretty big discount on like a certain subset of spells. Yeah, this kind of does have me has me interested a little bit because Voltron is like my favorite archetype personally. So I've kind of just been trying to think of, can you like, obviously it's like in your, if you're in the right pod, you can like make almost anything work, but I'm trying to figure out like if there's enough like white auras that can target Killian because auras do target. And if there's enough like tutors and draw in black to make this work, because it is really nice that it's like such a low mana value to cast you can get it down so early, just start mm-hmm. stacking out a bunch of stuff early. I'm not sure if there's enough. I'm a little bit interested in this. Yeah, there's definitely some cool things you can do with it. Um, Hatred, for example, uh, strikes me as particularly good. You can so easily curve a a turn two Killian into a turn three Hatred, pay 19 life, and then when he connects and you get your lifelink, you just get all of that life back. Uh, And in the process, you get to kill someone. So that seems very good. There is a lot of spells that target that grant infect, for example. So like Phyresis, um, there's Painted Strike, there's Glistening Oil, uh, and all of those just uh, cut down the number of turns you need to hit someone with your Killian in order to kill him. Mm -hmm. So I think it's 
pretty effective as a Voltron commander. It seems pretty good to me. Yeah. I just want to echo that. I think like Blake, if you do want to make this Voltron, I think you'll have a really good time. Like the fact that he's cheap, that he has uh built in evasion, the fact that he has built in cost reduction. Like this just seems like actually I, I would assume this is a blast to play, especially if you um between the tutors in black and the tutors in white and the aura recursion in white. Wait, mm-hmm. could you all hear my cat run through a crinkle tube? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Between uh all the tutors in black, all the uh the aura tutors in white, the aura recursion, enchantment recursion in white, like I think this is just an awesome list. I think it's super fun. I was a little confused because you know, you said you know, cast hatred on turn three. And I was thinking like, maybe in like magical Christmas land, you'll have five mana uh, every turn three, but I don't think that's likely. And then I realized, oh no, wait, you're going to be targeting it for a discount. So actually, yeah, this is much better than I kind of thought it out to be. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like one of those commanders where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's pretty simple because it's only like, four lines of text two of them are single words and mm-hmm. you're like okay yeah whatever and then you like think about it and you're like oh like mm-hmm. oh wow <laughs> which is awesome i love when that happens right i think that's an excellent point where i feel like this deck could if you're doing like the more voltron or even like using infect cards here and there i think it'll do great like it might take out one or two people really easily i'm just questioning whether you can get that like third or fourth player out uh that's like part of the hardest part <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a challenge for any Voltron deck, for sure. Oh, preach into the choir, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, with that, we'll move on to the very last one we have here. Um, oh, yeah. Dina, Soul Steeper, black and a green for a 1-3 legendary creature, Dryad Druid. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. And then, one and sacrifice another creature, Dina gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the sacrificed creature's power. What do you guys think here? Well, notably, it combos with Exquisite Blood uh, in order to win you the game. That seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two-card combo. Yeah, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also... I- I'm generally not in love with this sacrifice ability i think that like adding power is usually not that good especially when it runs out at end of turn but there are situations where that could be enough to get there like if you cast a phyrexian dreadnought and then sacrifice it in response to the etb trigger Mm -hmm. um then you just need to like berserk or tainted strike adina and (laughs) you can kill someone but like that might be a little bit magical Christmas land. That's a lot to go right. <laughs> yeah. I think like as someone who's had uh Jared like Golgari Lichford list since the inception of that card, it actually I, I don't think it's I think Nick is correct in that that is the worst thing to build around, but I actually don't think it's that hard to pull off. There's a lot of oh no, what's the card i should have wrote it in the notes i thought i would just remember the the sorcery that you cast from hand with buyback that reanimates something uh corpse, corpse dance. dance corpse dance thank you yes so like you could corpse dance uh even in this set there's a, a big creature that you could corpse dance that has 11 power for cheap like play one time sack it give her 11 power like there's a lot of things in green that give trample uh there's a lot of things in black that give evasion 
I think the most notable thing is that Dina really shows us that they have stopped caring about cards comboing with exquisite blood. Because <laughs> we got like veto veto so recently. Yeah, I mean veto and there's just been a bunch of other cards over the years, and I think we'll keep going. I think what they've done is kind of like with Kiki Jiki, where they'll go like, <laughs> "Well, cat's already out of the bag. Why not print another one?" <laughs> I think that's true. the The only thing I'm gonna just add real quick is the the card that you were mentioning, Zach, is a uh, Mogoth Titan. It's the Golgari, um, Golgari, Golgari for hybrid mana symbols, and has like the eleven ten. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the eleven ten for four. Yeah, that card's pretty cool. <laughs> well, we'll be able to talk about it a lot more in our next episode when we get onto the main deck cards in Strixhaven. Um, but let let's sort of wrap this up, talk a bit about what we think of the commanders we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Uh what is everyone's favorite commander? What do you think about the commanders overall in this set? That is such a good question. Oh man. <laughs> I think I'm still thinking. I think I I need a moment to really gauge my look into my soul. I'll go first. I think yeah. we just talked about it. It's that black white potential Voltron dude who reduces your stuff by two. I I'm a sucker for like any Voltron deck, and I think this would be a good challenge for me. You know, Voltron typically is not in just black and white colors, um, so I'm personally interested in that one. As far as the legendaries in this set as a whole, um, I do like the direction that they've taken red, white, and the Dean cycle. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of, and uh, I think there's some cool, like no matter who you are, I think you'll probably find something that you like here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Extus personally. Um, this is probably my favorite commander from the set. I just really like playing the the Mardu piles of removal, and it's great that I can get a lot of value while I'm, you know, making sure no one else gets to play Magic. Uh, <laughs> and, and like you know, it's got the combo potential on top of it. Um, that's really cool. Really, all of the like legendary on one side, sorcery on the other. I think those are all pretty interesting. Um, but again, I'll I'll agree with you on on not being a huge fan of the Dean cycle. Um, it just feels like you're prevented from utilizing the synergy that these two halves have with each other. It seems like it's a mechanic that's really designed for sixty card magic, yep. so that like subsequent copies of your legend won't be dead cards, and that's really unfortunate when it, you know commander is is really one of the primary ways that people engage with the game so i feel like legends should be designed more with commander in mind something i think that should be said because i've gotten into debates with people about this before is like commanders like legendary creatures that they print in standard sets like they've said that they have fans outside of commander like wizards maro talks about that like there are people who like legendary creatures but don't like commander and i'm like who <laughs> who are you talking about? But that's kind of besides the point. I think like it is very easy. And I think the uncommon cycle here really points that out because like how many of those are bangers just like on the surface, you know, like pre- pretty much four out of five of them build into like a unique deck of some sort, you know, like Dina can get big and hit somebody like 
Contorius makes like these cool spirits by doing something Boris has never done before. And like Rutha copy spells and you can really easily combo out and all this stuff. So I think like the idea that if you're going to design a commander, you can make it work for commander is not like a hard one to execute on. And I think the last, what, two years has, have shown us that now that we've gotten like at least a cycle of legends or three in every set for the last like few years that has shown us that that's more or less possible. Again, let's me echo both of you who also don't like the Dean cycle, but all that said, um, I think mine's going to come out of left field because I hadn't really been mentioning it a lot as we were talking about it. But I think the one that intrigues me the most is Tanazir Quandrix, the mm. Simic dragon. Um, just because I've been trying for years to make like a blue green, like I, th- I saw Pier and Toothy and was like, Oh, this is it. This is my plus one plus one counters deck. And it like was never what I wanted. Like it was always more fun just to flicker Toothy than to do things with Pier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Tanazar actually offers me the gameplay <laughs> that I want where I'm like, okay, I can have a bunch of little guys with counters. And then instead of like trying to proliferate and make them big, I just, I can just attack. <laughs> so the reward of playing with all these plus one, plus one counter guys and these like shambling mounds or whatever, or not shambling mounds, but the guys that enter with just some plus one, plus one counters on them and fractals and hydras and stuff like that, like is pretty strong in a Tanazir list. Um, so that's actually something that I'm looking forward to giving a shot. Hmm. I think for me personally, um, but in, in general, I think they did a pretty good job with none of these being too busted. They're all kind of in a very interesting direction that we haven't quite seen before, so it feels a little fresh. Um, the one that I think I gravitate towards most is Bellodros, uh, Witherbloom, just because I'm like a, a sucker for dragons, a sucker for green-black, even though this, their stupid quiz told me I'm blue-red, I <laughs> think I'm going to maybe work around trying to build a, a wither bloom deck <laughs> and show them yeah and just because i don't think you guys mentioned it but the dean cycle is not that great oh, <laughs> yeah someone oh, should yeah thank you for that. bringing that up appreciate it <laughs> mm-hmm. very courageous of you yeah I, someone had someone had to say it they, they <laughs> gotta know they gotta know don't do this again yeah Belladros is a really great choice, though. I, I got to say, just looking at it, that is probably the most Halloween magic art I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. Yeah, I think she's a pretty close like second for me because as much as I'm excited to play with the red ones, especially on like Arena, where like uh, I'm, I'm not super into playing gladiator quite yet <laughs> um which is a fan format it's 100 card singles in on arena i i pretty much just am really lazy and will just punch in a game of brawl or like if a friend is on historic brawl or something or if the cues are at so i'm excited for playing brawl with the red dragons but uh i just don't think uh, uh i don't like playing commanders that make me feel bad when i'm not comboing <laughs> you know when it's like obvious that the best line is comboing uh 
it makes me hurt inside because I'm like, oh, I'm losing to myself. <laughs> Which is not good. But if I'm in Brawl, then Galazeth is like, you only have this many options. <laughs> Don't feel bad, bud. Tap those tre- Don't sack the treasures. Just tap them. Just tap them. It's the right one. Or maybe the left one. Who knows? Who knows what button it's going to be? But I think we we did it for now. We got through the legendary creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are listening, please let us know your thoughts, your feelings. If we missed anything, card interactions, or just say hi. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, you could drop in at the wizard staff and do the exact same thing. And uh, I'm going to speak for Guy and Blake right now and say that they probably would love that. So, <laughs> yeah. If you have any praise, give it to uh, Commander Theory. If you have any complaints, come over to the Wizard Staff podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so so benevolent of you. That's so great. Thank you. We can handle We're it. We're willing to take any criticism, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I think we're uh, we're gonna have another episode about the main deck cards. We're um, hopefully gonna release this like legends one first and uh yeah just let us know what you think we hope if you're still listening that you had a good time and yeah yeah thanks for having us all right yeah. thanks guys thank we you will for having s- us yeah we will talk to you in the next episode mm-hmm. hey what is up everyone this has been a very long episode i want to say thank you to guy and blake one more time for doing this with us it's been a lot of fun, and there's more fun to be had. So this was the Legendary Creatures episode, the Commanders episode. Next week, we are going to release the main deck cards, and that will also be on our feed. But the week after that, or sometime soon, we're going to release uh, an episode kind of pointing you to the Wizard Staff podcast, and also it's going to have me and Nick's uh, classic predictions for what cards are going to make an impact, um, and we're going to check up on how we did last time. So we're going to try and make it interesting. We're going to try and make it just a brief little quick thing because holy cow, these episodes can get kind of long. So if that sounds good, tune in. Uh, We're going to have video episodes uploaded. They're probably not going to be at the same uh, release schedule just because it is a lot more (laughs) work. And that's it. Uh, We care about you guys a lot. Thank you for listening. And specifically, thank you to our Patreon patrons. If you heard something in this episode you liked, didn't like, some tech, uh, you want to correct us on a pronunciation, you know, it only costs $1 to yell at us on the internet uh, in a place that we will see. And honestly, a bunch of other people who are really awesome will see too. The Discord that we've kind of cultivated is awesome. And I love all the people in there. It's like actually a really big highlight of my day talking to everybody. So without further ado, thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Troy, Dylan, Walter, Leo, Ian, John, John, Tom, and Kevin. Thank you all so much for listening, for supporting, and we hope that you enjoy the next few episodes. Bye! If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>